Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I reside on the Erie campus of Calvary Bible. We have three campuses and three amazing locations. One looks over the Flatirons, one's in the best town in Colorado, and one is near Krispy Kreme. You tell me, what am I talking about? Hey, it's great to be with you. We have a great episode here. We got Thomas Milburn back in the booth. Thomas, you had a sabbatical podcast. Hi, Jay. Podcast from sabbatical. I know. The fellas and ladies who did the summer podcast. Yes. They never called me. (laughs) (laughs) They must have heard our podcasts. They're like, yeah, we we should upgrade. We could do better. (laughs) We can do better. But you, my friend, have friends in low places. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. And you're willing to have them on the podcast with you. Was your dad a, a dad who listened to Jimmy Buffett in the six changer CD player back in the car days? No, but I have in-laws that are huge Jimmy Buffett fans. Yeah. And his passing is really sad. Yeah. So I've been listening to some Jimmy Buffett. I have too. My I grew up with a dad who listened to it all really? the time. Really? Yeah. Jimmy was his guy. One of them. Yeah. Along with, you know, Traffic and some other great Paul Simon. (laughs) So I say this completely ignorant of like any bad things or corruption or whatever Jimmy Buffett's been associated with. I have no knowledge. No knowledge either. The dude seemed to live a pretty good life. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Like a guitar in the sun for however many years. He had a boat. Playing cards. A plane. He lived in the Caribbean. Helping people be happy. Yeah. Seriously. Man. I hope his life was full and he was. Joyous. It looked full. It looked full. Yeah. It did look full. And that's when I said some, I said that to someone the other day. They're like, that's good advertising. <laughs> good marketing. <laughs> I was like, probably true too on some levels. Yeah. But I, I was formed a lot of ways by my dad listening to Buffett. Yeah. So what, what, what song comes immediately to mind when you think of Jimmy Buffett? Uh, Pirate, look at 40. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A little 200 years too late. It's a great song. <laughs> it's so good. It's a good song. Um, Cheeseburger in Paradise, obviously. Yeah. One of the... I only ate at that restaurant once, and it was in Maui on my honeymoon. Yeah. I remember it very fondly, enjoying that beautiful sunset, eating a cheeseburger. And staring at my new bride. Was that in Lahaina then? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I was there this year and it's so sad that it's all oh, gone. It, this, I, I've stopped listening to the stories. I the can't human tragedy is, yeah. is horrific. It's horrific. It is horrific. I'm glad that we can be a partner with the EFCA to help friends in Maui. Yeah. But it's very true. It's that, very yep. true. That it's, was a good that was a good restaurant. Yeah. So what's the song that comes to your mind? Fins, fins up, whatever it's called, because it has motions to it. Yeah, totally. Fins to the left, fins to the right. <laughs> I had a, in Bible college. I had a, uh, a roommate who was a parrot head, and he, yeah, it would be on twenty four seven, and he would like leave the room, and the music would still be going on. Yeah, hours after so he left. My in laws took Kristen and me and other family members to a Jimmy Buffett concert. No way at Wait for it. Red Rocks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, 
No way. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. It was so good. Oh, what a fun night. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett at Red Rocks. Yeah. It's like, if, there, if there's a place to do Jimmy Buffett, it is Red Rocks. Yeah, it if, was it's not, if it's not on the beach, it's got to be there. Yeah. It's got to be Red Rocks with him. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Anyways, that was sad news. You know, that's, um, yeah. I just remember the CD changer. Always had several CDs of Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> My car still has a six, six really? disc uh, CD changer. I and would love it. When it ends, it it's just like... Yep. You hear it. Next CD goes <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, totally. I love it. I think it's great. That was great. That was fantastic technology. When it was in the trunk. Remember it was in the black box in the trunk? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to get out of the car. <laughs> I'm changing my yeah. CDs. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, man. So if you're a fan of the show and you have a bunch of CDs that you would like me to listen to <laughs> and you can't listen to them anymore because you don't own a CD player, <laughs> please send them to 615 Evans Street. Erie, Colorado. Erie, Colorado. Addressed to Thomas Milburn. <laughs> please listen to my CD. Oh, man. That reminds me. I... So I'm a, I have a record player, and I do have some Jimmy. In your record. car? No, no. <laughs> At home. <laughs> it skips all the time. It's up in the study. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been given so many great albums. But I have one of the oldest Michael W. Smith albums of all time. And he's like 1980-something. <laughs> yeah. It's on vinyl? Great. On vinyl. What what does he play again? He plays the... Um, no, uh, that's that's Rich Mullins. That's Rich Mullins? That's, oh. you're, you're, you're jumping here. But... Doesn't Michael I, W. Smith play like the clarinet or something? <laughs> <laughs> this is why this is why people are like didn't have you on in the summer because we go down these rabbit holes that are so delightful. But yes, I sent. Oh my goodness, there's a Revelation song on this album. We should talk that, about how all all these great hymns are actually written out of the Book of Revelation. Have you noticed that? You know what you you're very wise and astute to. I mean, I don't know that Michael W. Smith doesn't play the clarinet, but I am aware of my, some hymnology. That's so fun. The end of the book, Michael W. Smith, the second. This is how young he looked. Wow. That's the album. Wow. He's like, he might be 22. He grew a beard to look older Yeah, at this point. That's great. There's a classic Revelation song by Michael W. Smith, too. What's it called? Do you know? End of the book. Oh, that's the yeah. that's title. Of the, it's oh, on that Spotify. The that's not the album. No, no, no. Okay, yeah. This is Michael W. Smith. He was that was he didn't know he was going to do fifty more albums. <laughs> <laughs> he just knew he had one on on vinyl. It's great. But the end of the book is one of the funniest, oldest school songs you'll ever hear of Revelation. So there you go. Okay, let's jump in. We got some listeners who are like, can you please get to the real meat of the story? We miss the boys of summer. <laughs> we're, we're in Revelation. How, how are you handling it? How do you like it? Are you regretful? No. <laughs> no, not at all. I think uh, I've said this a few times. Don't, don't indict me with it, but youthful ignorance yeah. is carrying me through. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's okay. Because we have the bookend where Tom is in it with you. Mm -hmm. Y'all are getting together on Mondays yeah. talking about it. And he's never preached through the entirety. I haven't either. Yeah. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Like, I think that's a beautiful thing of Calvary, right? Like, we're not going to be afraid. And um, 
you know, we're going to go through the whole book. Buckle up, Buttercup. Buckle up. <laughs> so, I like saying that. Ja- okay. All right. Chapter one, Revelation. As we've gone two weeks in now into chapter one, what's some of the most striking things that you've are sort of left behind from your preaching that you're like, I just can't go there right now. Maybe let it, later I'll pick this up or there's just so much of this that you have to leave behind. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a, there's a lot of that. But, you know, what, what I noticed in the book of Revelation, having read it and looking forward to preaching it, is a lot of the themes that we skip over get picked up again. So, yep. for example, on Sunday, we, we briefly mentioned the descriptions of Jesus mm-hmm. as John saw him that were parallel imagery to Daniel 7 and Daniel 10. And we didn't dive into, like, what each article means what right. what does it everything represent? We just kind of made a blanket statement of this is a divine picture of Jesus associated with the ancient of days and Jesus himself taking Old Testament titles of God and claiming them right, right. the first and the last, and we'll see him pick up Alpha and Omega. But you notice in chapter two and in chapter three is that all the letters that are addressed to the churches begin with one of those titles about Jesus. So Jesus again introduces himself based on one of those titles. So We'll have some time to pick up some of it, but yeah. there's just so much. There's a really interesting title, and, it's, and it seems very ancient title, that we don't use usually use of Jesus, but it seemed like the early church did, and there was hymns, and there was sort of statements or catechism-type statements of faith for individuals, and that was the firstborn of the dead. That was an interesting statement, because for me, he was never born. <laughs> that's Thomas killing a fly, by the way. <laughs> For me, like, firstborn of the dead, there were other people who died. Mm-hmm. And what is that statement? It, it shows up in a few other places, Colossians. Yeah, for sure. And Paul's writings, um, specifically. Like, what does that statement mean? Yeah, I mean, it has everything to do with the resurrection. So, it's the first, he's the first one, first human out of the grave into resurrection of new life. But and that's technically not true because Elijah's, Elisha actually laid on bones and they became alive. Oh, I see what you're saying. And Lazarus was risen from the yeah. dead as well. But they died again. Oh, I like that. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't met Lazarus yet. Yeah. We will. We will. Like, where did you, what happened? <laughs> uh, what you have? Yeah, I think it's the fullness of what he, he promised he would do. So he's, it's almost like Jesus said to his followers, listen, I know, I know that I've come on this mission to die. My time's not yet. When my time comes, this is what's going to happen. And then I'm going to go to the grave, but I'm not going to stay there. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise to new life. And so I'll be the first one. And then all of those who are following me after me will, will sequentially come, mm-hmm. right? So I'll be the first one to pass through the grave right. into the newness of life. Was and, the thief on the cross the second one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that you'll be in paradise? Maybe. Yeah. I guess he, would he be like the next person? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess he'd be the first person to believe. I don't, yeah. Yeah. But then people got out of their graves mm-hmm. in John. Yeah. They, they had, had to go back in though. <laughs> yeah. They died. They, they went died. back into the city, but they eventually died. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I mean, we're connected to that, right? So yeah. I think a passage that I think about is in First Thessalonians 4. Um, 
where Paul says, you know, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, like here's the firstborn of the dead, he died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry, and a command with the voice of the archangel. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And so Jesus is the firstborn amongst the dead. And we will not, they will, you know, we will not precede them. In fact, the Lord will bring them with him for those who are remaining at the second coming. Right. So I think it's really just speaking of one preeminence, right? So we would say there's a first lady or a first man, mm-hmm. the title, but then there's also, he's the first one yeah. a born amongst many brothers and sisters. Right. That's wonderful. I, I love that. And I'm glad we slowed down to talk about that. Tom mentioned that as well last week as we talked, but is this a, a phrase that has caught my attention over and over again? You talk about Jesus in these sort of images, at these titles we give him, right? How interesting is it that John, um, the the one of the very first disciples, sees Jesus when he's fishing one day, right? He lays his nets mm-hmm. and follows the Lord. He sees Jesus then. He sees Jesus at the transfiguration with Elijah and Moses, right? And his glory before and, and actually, the transfiguration says, don't talk about this until he's he's risen, right? Yeah. And then he sees Jesus probably, I'm doing really hard math here, 50 years, 60 years past those original accounts in 90 AD. Yeah, somewhere years. late 80s, 90s. Yeah. You mean talking about in the vision of Revelation? In the vision of Revelation. Yeah. He sees Jesus in very distinct ways that... Not many writers saw him, or not many disciples saw Jesus in that form while still living, I guess. I should say it that way. Yeah. How interesting is this that he sees him like one like son of man, clothed with long robe, golden sash in his chest. The hairs of his heads were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice was like a roar of many waters. Like, he sees Jesus in three different unique places, unlike anyone else. Mm -hmm. What's striking about those that, like, really stood out as you preached through? Because we we circled them, we labeled them. What are some of those things that you're just like, man, you just don't want to miss this? Yeah, I think immediately, I just think, gosh, he he sees Christ in his humanity. Mm Mm-hmm. He's going to see Christ in his humility, which is the cross. Like, there's there's the Son of God crucified. Yeah, he was there on right? that day with mother, Jesus' yeah. mother. And the transfiguration, then more in Revelation, and then after John's death right. would be Christ in his, you know, if you're looking for their H word, like honor mm. or, you know, holiness. Just yeah. like, wow, that is the exalted Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's a that's a very full picture. I think the scriptures give us that picture so that we can have a more full picture of who Christ is. Um, you know, another person that got to see the transfiguration, like a, a snapshot of who Christ is, was Peter. Right. Right. So Peter and John are there, and James, and Peter's like, should we build some, like, 
yes. religious temples right now, yeah, and, the... and should we do some sacrifices? And um, later on, Peter writes this, and I think this is encouraging for us who really wish we could have been there or seen those things. And yet, Peter encourages us to be in God's word. He says, "This is Second Peter chapter one. We did not follow cleverly devised myths." when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He says, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So talking about the transfiguration. But then verse 19 says this, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So a, a better testimony isn't even the transfiguration or what we saw as eyewitnesses, but we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So he's talking about God's word. Yeah. He's like, what you, what you should really pay attention to is the prophetic word, like the words of God, the Old Testament scriptures. And then I think even when we, when we classify revelation, it's a, it's a prophetic word, right. right? So you have to listen to this prophecy. Blessed is the one who hears and acts on this prophecy. That's what, what John says. And so what you have here is like, okay, yeah, we wish we could have seen the humanity. We wish we could have seen you know, the humility and the resurrection, the victory, and then seeing what John sees. But what we have is more confirmed even by Peter. We have the scriptures that testified to these things about the, the coming of Christ. And we would do well. It's like a lamp in a dark place. Like these sorts of scriptures help illuminate our dark world right. as we wait. It says to the morning star rises in our hearts. Like that's a title for Jesus. Revelation picks it up again. The morning star of Christ is known in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so all of this word is to point to us to understand who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I brought that up. No, I immediately thought of that when you were talking about the transfiguration. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really important to know that there's other writings about sort of this new t new Jesus as well. That besides John, Peter yeah. was there. Yeah, and it's really important that we actually are probably more blessed because we actually have the sixty six books in order that are authenticated, real, true, living Word of God. Yeah. And sometimes we fail to forget that we're probably more blessed than even John and Peter because of that. And we should pay attention to it. I mean, we've said one of the biggest hurdles for people jumping into Revelation is that it seems so foreign. All the language seems like fantasy language. Um, and what we've tried to debunk is that idea that, hey, we should decode this thing in the sense of, oh, man, this will tell us the future, so to speak, as opposed right. to, no, this is language that John was familiar with, that we're less familiar with, that's Bible language, right. that you can become familiar with. Yeah, you you can jump in right now. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, I, I mentioned this to you earlier. It's like, if we slowed down and went through Revelation, or th this could be anyone's challenge, open the book of Revelation and go through it slow enough to understand each line, mm -hmm. you would understand your whole Bible. Because it's going to reach into every aspect from Genesis to the to the end, right? Of how is this story climaxing? How is this all? How's this whole thing coming together? That's right. How was it promised of Jesus, fulfilled by Jesus, partially fulfilled, waiting to be fulfilled? The, I mean, it is 
kind of like the the tapestry coming together. Right. So, and I mean, I love my Bible. You love your Bible. We talk about that a lot. But John didn't have his printed Bible when he was on Patmos. Right. What did What did it say on when when he saw this vision? Was he in his Bible? No, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? Yeah, that's one of the most strange phrases I think I've I picked up in my reading of Revelation. The Spirit of the Lord's day. He's basically just praying on Sunday, right? Yeah. Is that, I mean, am I reading that right? Am I like, can we be on the Spirit on the Lord's day at Calvary Bible Church? Yeah, I think you can be filled with the Spirit, be full of the Spirit. Have an outpouring of the spirit because you're praying. Yeah. Like how you talk about you want to be like Jesus, you want to be like his disciples, to show up to church and be full of the spirit, right? On the Lord's Day. Yeah. Enjoy the worship music. Like, not just enjoy it, but delight in that you are singing basically phrases from Revelation or somewhere else in Scripture back to the Lord. No? Am I getting this wrong? No, or I think is it? that's the fulfillment of, of the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. So I, I, I know it, gets, it can get a little sideways, but... Yes, and historically has gotten sideways. Yeah, but you have the... This is where I was grabbing my Bible and looking up. Like, you have just the opening of Acts, right? And it says, don't yeah. move on the mission until you receive power from the Most High, until you receive the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. So they receive the Spirit, and when do they receive the Spirit is when they're all in the room... Praying. Praying. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so then they receive the Spirit in prayer. Yeah. And then you see through the book of Acts, this is what was promised from old. This is Acts 2, 21. Yeah, Joel 2. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm sorry, Acts two eighteen. sorry. It shall be in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind. Right. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and old men shall see dreams. You know, it's just like goes on and on. It's like this is what's going to happen when the Spirit is poured out. And John's an apostle. We should not think that this is odd or weird that an apostle is seeing things that the Lord wants him to have. Right. That's right. But, you know, it's just a really good reminder even to prepare our hearts before we come to this next week at church, right? Be hungry for the Spirit. Be hungry for prayer. Be hungry to meet God while you worship at Calvary. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I know there's a spectrum from like reform to charismatic or however it gets, yeah. you know, bookended. One of the beautiful things about our charismatic brothers and sisters is when they go to church, they're anticipating to meet with God. Hmm. Now you can kind of harp on them for several things, right? but their anticipation is they're going to hear from God. They're going to meet with God. They're going to be encouraged by God. There's just an anticipation of going to church that many churchgoers who are far more on the maybe reform side, it's like, yeah, I don't really think I'm going to hear from God this morning, meet with God, be encouraged by God, be built up by God. I'm going to have the best coffee in town and a donut. Yeah, and I'm going to understand the Bible a little bit better. Yeah. Which, you know what? There's a lot of benefits to... The other side needs to learn from that. Absolutely. So, but I do think we should have an anticipation of, you know, God, God wants to meet with us wants to speak with us, wants to encourage us, wants us to understand. I think that's one of the things about Revelation. It's it's not this idea that it's concealed so that you don't know. Like yeah. that was Daniel's vision. Right. Seal it up for this is for the end of the ages. Right. 
revelation is make it known. Right. So the book is meant to be understood. Mm-hmm. And totally. so let's, let's anticipate God helping us to understand it, especially yeah. through the work of the Holy Spirit. No doubt, no doubt. So, Thomas, help us then. How should we prepare our hearts as we read, you know, ahead to get ready for Sunday? What are some ways in which are just helpful to read Revelation for those who maybe have never gotten past chapter 3? Yeah. You know, like how do we get our hearts tuned to sort of this language and these ideas? Yeah, there's no other way in my mind than precept upon precept. Like understand just a little bit more today and it'll help you build kind of a foundation for understanding more tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't know in the very beginning that revelation was a revealing so that you would understand it, like that's a great thing to build. Like approach the book as this is to be understood. Right. Um, Then you understand like what kind of genre it is. It's apocalyptic literature. So how do you approach apocalyptic literature? Because we take our Bible literally. Yeah. And so what is the literary genre to help us understand how to take it literary? Um, and then you start unpacking these, like get a good study Bible. Mm-hmm. I always said that to several people, like what, what commentary should I buy? You should just own a good study Bible right now. A good study Bible will help you link up a lot of this imagery and then just start looking for repetition. Um, it's circling words that repeat themselves. Absolutely. And that, that will get you to the heart of the message. That's really good, Thomas. I really enjoy that. And you know, Tom made this major point like if you've never studied it don't hesitate this time yeah like just jump in that's a good word it's okay you know what i mean like sometimes we we see this book the last book of the bible as only for experts and it's it's actually just for normal people of god yeah that's what it's for and i I think building on that is there's a i think there really is a core to revelation that you can pursue and know and then allow almost like it's adornments to hang on that. Mm-hmm. But don't get caught up in all of the adornments. Mm-hmm. Like really fight for that core and then hang the book on it. Mm. That's a really good word, Thomas. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for being in the booth today. So good to be back and be back with you. Hey, Calvary, I was reading in John 14. Verse 21 says, The person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself plain to him. It's just a great reminder as we study the book of Revelation to know these commands, to keep them, to pursue Christ in love, and he's going to make himself plain to us, even through such a very unfamiliar book in the Revelation. All right, love you. Keep praying, Calvary. Pray for us. Pray for the ministry. Pray for all the things in which God wants to accomplish this fall here um, at Calvary Bible Church. Continue to pray for our elders and our pastors and all those, all those who call this home. We love you. Talk to you very soon.